hours were cut. You know, I would go days at a time without work. I wasn't clocking in. I wasn't getting a paycheck. And not having that job at all really put a wrench in my plans. Um, so I started to rely on that credit card a little more just to get by, to buy food, pay my bills. And then for a couple months, I used it to pay rent, which is pretty significant credit card usage. And it's really hard to pull out of that. Welcome to Real Stories, Journeys of Financial Wellness. I'm your host, Crystal Gazima. Today, we talk to Jesse. His debt struggles started after a job loss. For a time, he found himself needing to use his cards for basic living expenses. He was optimistic that he could make things work freelancing, but this didn't end up being enough to sustain him. As he considered his options to tackle his debt, he chose to take out a consolidation loan. Unfortunately, his debt crept back up, and he found himself owing on both the consolidation loan and credit cards. Jesse was determined to address his debt and found his way to Green Path. And, well, let's see how the rest of his story unfolded. Jesse, welcome to Real Stories. So glad you could join us here today. And as I like to start with all my guests, um, want to go back in the past a little bit. What was your experience with money growing up? Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me here. I really appreciate you um, giving me the opportunity to tell you this story. Um, we grew up in rural Ohio. Um, and when I say rural Ohio, I mean the next house was probably you know half a mile down the road almost. Um, so we would have to travel a lot to get to get our food and our groceries. Um, I guess you would say we were lower middle class, but at the time I didn't realize it. You know, my parents, uh, took great care of us growing up. You know, we usually got, had a really nice Christmas every year. You know, we were fed every night. I know some people in the community I grew up in didn't have that. So we were very fortunate, but then I later realized that, um, my parents sacrificed a lot for us kids to have um, to grow up, you know, somewhat comfortable. Um, as I grew up, you know, parents didn't really talk about the money with us a lot. You know how much they were sacrificing to spend on us. Um, so when I started college, and I was able to you know, kind of get away from relying on my parents a little bit. Um, just taking small jobs during the summer, you know, mowing lawns. Uh, I worked in a factory for a couple summers. Um, I mowed lawns for a local railroad, scenic railroad company. That's down where we were. Um, and then I would start doing kind of freelancing on the side of doing what I do today, which is sound and lights for concerts and festivals and events. And, um, during that time I realized, Hey, this is kind of cool that I'm making my own money, you know, at the time, not knowing that bills would soon be, um, racking up 
that I would have financial responsibilities that I would need to meet. Yeah. And like, I, I know from having heard bits of your story before that, that your debt started to creep up somewhat after a job loss, but before that period, like take me through, like, as your working year started and you were working consistently, what did your finances look like either savings or debt wise at that point? Um, they weren't great. I mean, I wasn't really saving money at the time because, you know, I was newly independent. Oh, I could buy this cool thing that I saw, you know, instead of saving that money for something that could happen in the future, like a, you know, I need blew a tire. I need to buy a new tire. I wasn't really doing that. Um, and so I would suddenly find myself in that situation and then I'd be panicking because I'd be like, oh, how do I pay for this? You know? Mom, can you help me? You know, can you send me some money? Dad, can you send me some money? And uh, thankfully, they were able to. You know, they were still taking care of me a little bit. Um, and so I started looking at ways to increase my um, income. And I got a full-time job about six months after college, uh, doing what I went to college to do. And um, just my spending habits kind of creeped up with the increase of income. So I still wasn't really saving anything. Um, and I was relying, I started relying on a credit card just to get the necessaries, you know, food and, you know, pay my gas bill. Cause I had three roommates at the time and we all split our bills, um, our electric bill, gas bill, water bill, all that. Um, and after having that first job, I found a better job with a company that I thought I would be with for, you know, the rest of my life, a career path. Um, unfortunately, a year after I took that job, it didn't work out. Um, I was let go. Um, and so that stable income that I had was suddenly cut off. Yeah. And so when that happened uh so you didn't have much savings you were kind of relying on a credit card somewhat like what what then happened in your finances at, at that point as you were looking for work um the month that i was let go was december and in the events industry december is pretty slow so i was kept on until you know the beginning part of december when i was let go that sudden um influx of work wasn't there because there wasn't any work. And now my hours were cut. You know, I'd go days at a time without work. I wasn't clocking in. I wasn't getting a paycheck. And not having that job at all really put a wrench in my plans. Um, so I started to rely on that credit card a little more just to get by, to buy food, pay my bills. And then for a couple months, I used it to pay rent, which is pretty significant credit card usage and it's really hard to pull out of that yeah and and then i i understand that for a good while you you really explored freelancing um what was what was that like in terms of your ability to to get some income during that period and like how did that affect your finances a lot of the freelancers that i worked at when i worked my full-time job um, I saw that they were constant, I thought they were constantly working, you know, cause they were, they've been doing it for years and years and years and they were making great money at it. And I figured, well, I guess I can do that too. 
So I started doing that. I reached out to all the major companies in, in uh, where I was living at the time and um, started getting some work in. Um, and then as the busy season started to progress, I was getting more and more work and that money was flowing in. But for some reason, I was not uh, catching up with my bills that I had accumulated. I started relying on that credit card even more and more just to get by you know, food and more rent payments went on it and gas. Cause I was traveling much more than I was before. And, um, quite quickly I realized that I was digging myself into a deeper and deeper hole and I couldn't quite figure it out until I realized how much these freelancers were charging and how undercharging I was doing. I wasn't charging enough. Hmm. So, so at that point it was, you know, you're making what you can. Um, how, how did you kind of transition out of, cause you didn't stay freelancing. I understand. Right. No. Or, yeah. What was no. the next, next phase? Um, I finally figured out that, you know, I can't, I have to do something to increase my income again and try to pull myself out of this because now I was getting anxious. I was getting nervous. I was having panic attacks. Um, my anxiety was going through the roof. Um, I was living alone at the time. You know, I'd finally gotten my own place, which, you know, without roommates, that rent is pretty significant, uh, significantly more. Um, so I found a job about 30 minutes east of where I was living at the time, took it. Um, it was kind of a starter for what we were doing. The place that I was working, we had just won the contract to provide their services for our event technology services for. And so, um, it was kind of a fresh start for me, the way I was looking at it, I could kind of build this thing into what I thought it would operate. And, um, the company that hired me to do it, trusted me to do that. And, um, we were doing pretty well for a while, about six months, we were doing pretty good. And I had a stable income. I was finally starting to tackle all this stuff that I had accumulated when I was freelancing because I had a salary job. I could expect that same paycheck every two weeks. Yeah. So it makes such a difference in terms of your budget, just have that consistency there. But I imagine the the debt had already started to accumulate at, at that point. So as you think back, um, like what were some of the options that you were considering at the time uh, to to address your debt? Um, first and foremost, the one that terrified me the most was bankruptcy. Um, my parents had a couple years before filed for bankruptcy due to medical issues that my dad had faced, pretty serious, significant medical medical issues. And you know, as I eventually learned my parents weren't as well off as I thought they were, you know, they had sacrificed a lot to give this, um, to give us kids a great life growing up. And when I realized that they were vulnerable as vulnerable as I was, and they were having to do with it with the judges and the lawyers and the creditors and all that, um, that fear came into my head and I was pretty scared of what I would have to deal with. Cause I'm not a confrontational person at all. And some people think I am, but I really don't like to, you know, stand up and put my hand in the air and, you know, swear to, you know, swear to God and all that stuff. I'm really not best at that kind of thing. 
And that added anxiety was pretty detrimental to my mental health. Mm. Did you even get to the point of, of talking to a lawyer or anything, or it was just something in the back of your mind at the time? I reached out a couple times and got a few responses, but I was still um, trying to explore some options. And then um, I figured, well, I need to increase my income first. So I found this full-time job. Yeah. And so I understand another option that you had um, explored and ultimately tried was a consolidation loan. Would, would mm -hmm. you share a little bit about that? Um, at the time, I had my one credit card was all maxed out. And I was trying to figure out a way to pay it off quickly so I didn't have to have the exorbitant interest rate that I was dealing with. And I found a company that had that does consolidation loans. So I applied for one, got the loan, paid off that credit card, and then started making payments on this loan with a lower interest rate. But I made the mistake of keeping that credit card open and slowly those um charges started getting paid, put back onto the credit card what i was doing before you know food and rent and electricity bill and all that and so now i found myself paying off this consolidation loan and this credit card so my was digging myself into a deeper hole yeah because now you have the, the two that you're that you're uh, looking at um in terms of so eventually you you ended reaching out to to green path let's just start with like how did you find green path and like what was the motivation as far as trying a, a different tactic than you had previously looked at um i had been with my job for about six months i joined in august of 2019 and then in february 2020 we started hearing these stories on the news about a coronavirus and at the time it didn't really affect us but you know it was still pretty present in the news and so i figured oh that's overseas it's something we don't have to deal with here and then in mid-march of 2020 we started seeing these events cancel because our governor had stopped allowing mass gatherings and so you know one day we would have it would be limited to 250 people in our meeting space and so we'd have to cancel that event next week. And then the next day, we couldn't have more than 100 people in the meeting space. Oh, we just lost three more events. And so it was like watching sand pour through your hands. All these things get canceled, and then all this work suddenly dried up. And so the company I worked for didn't have any income. And so I was hearing reports of you know my colleagues losing their jobs, being laid off, um, you know, suddenly not working. And I couldn't fathom dealing with my debt with not having an income. Um, I was very lucky, though, that the company I work for kept me on the entire pandemic. Um, I'm so thankful that the company owners, you know, sacrificed out of their pockets to keep, keep all of us paid. Um, but there was still that fear in my mind that at any time I would get that call that, sorry, we're going to have to lay you off or let you go. And so I figured, all right, I got to somehow discipline myself even more than what I thought I was doing. And I figured, started researching options. I looked at bankruptcy again. I looked at another consolidation loan, closing out all my credit cards. Um, and then I don't remember how I exactly ran into Green Path, but for some reason I reached out 
and spoke with someone and they were able to give me enough information that I was able to make a decision to that this is probably the best path for me. Yeah, what, like, what was that conversation like? So I assume this was over the phone, well, certainly mm-hmm. during the pandemic for sure at the time. Um, like, what was talked about during during that session? Um, I shared my fears of, you know, this being, you know, hugely detrimental to me being successful, you know, quote unquote, a successful person, you know, having my stuff together. Um, and I was reassured that this is not life and death. Finances are really, at the end of the day, no one's getting hurt. And no one's really dying of, you know, the financial pressures. I mean, yeah, there's people out there that for some reason, some situation that they're in that they can't afford food. But for some reason, I just felt a little bit comforted that, you know, I was going to be okay. And when I found out that Green Path was a nonprofit organization, you know, to me, that shows that they care more about the people that they're trying to help than the CEO's pocketbook, you know. So I was really reassured about that. That's kind of helped me make that decision to go with Green Path. Yeah. And so I know you went on a debt management program. So you basically, instead of a consolidation loan, you consolidated your payments to then pay down was it just credit card debt were there any other debts that were part of that or um in march 2019 i had a uh, kind of a serious medical situation you know in another state and so the insurance i had at the time didn't really cover it it was just the basic you know affordable care act you know the lowest payment you know highest deductible and i really couldn't pay that so it it went into collections so i had two collections on it um Green Path was able to take care of one of them, um, and I was eventually able to get the other one sorted out. And then I was um, a couple days after I had signed my initial agreement, um, I still had that consolidated debt loan because for some reason, you know, Green Path isn't able to um, lower the interest on those. So at first we didn't put it on it, but then I asked nicely if they were able to just put it on it just so I can have one payment. So I'm not paying two different things at once. Um, and with green pass ability to pay things, you know, before their due date, I figured something I could ask and they were able to put the consolidation debt or consolidated loan onto my program. Um, still at the full payment, you know, and I would just increase my debit to green path that extra amount. Yeah, yeah. And just some of the nuances. So like every creditor, every lender has different policies, different arrangements. And as you said, like some of them will will not lower interest rates. Some of them, some of them actually do. It just is a mm-hmm. case by case thing. But one of the things that you mentioned is even though it was the same payment, eventually, as some of the other credit cards or collection accounts were paid off, there was more money to allocate towards that consolidation loan, which then I'm sure accelerated the payments at, at that point, right? Yeah, the first one that was um, paid off was the uh, medical collection. It was about $1,000. And then um, that extra money that was applied to that medical collection was applied to the consolidation loan because that had the next lowest interest rate. So, like, what was your experience with the program as a whole? I understand you were on it for several years. Um, like, what were 
your expectations versus like the reality of how the program actually played out? Um, I was, I realized I had to be patient. You know, this wasn't a three month process. This was going to be a multi-year process to get this taken care of. Um, I had watched, you know, the first few months are kind of tricky with getting these things lined up. I know some people kind of are nervous about that, but if your credit score is already low enough, a couple of months of late payments is not going to, you know, significantly impact it any more than it already is. Cause if you're at the bottom of the barrel, you know, the only way to go is up. And so, um, I realized I had to be patient with this process. Let, let it work out the way it's supposed to, um, keep track of it, you know, and one of the things that, um, one of the tools that I used to help me stay disciplined was the bank that I use has something called a virtual wallet. And what I'm able to do is say I have a thousand dollars in my account. I'm able to go into the um, money out portion of my virtual wallet and type in green path. And we'll say my payment was 200 bucks. And so I would put 200 bucks, the date it was due, and it would quote unquote, take it out of my account. Even though the money was still there at the top of the page, it looked like I had only had $800, even though there was really a thousand dollars in there. But 200 was allocated to GreenPath, and that kind so of like helped. when you're using your debit card for purchases, like it's that new figure that you're saying that. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, the 800. dollars Yeah. Um, and so I was able to use that to kind of budget for the two weeks that I had that paycheck. And so I would do that with GreenPath. I'd do that with my electric bill, my rent, you know, all the stuff that I was necessary that I had to take care of first before I had that, you know, fun money at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love like newer tools that uh, many banks and, and credit unions and apps have available that can help us with it. So that's that's really mm-hmm. cool. Um, as you were going through the program itself, what support, if any, did you receive from other people? And I'm not talking about financial, but just was there any sort of emotional support or just, you know, were, were other people in your life aware of what you were doing to pay down your debt? How did that work? Um I've I certainly relied on my mom a lot, you know, I'm mama's boy and, um, you know, knowing that the situation that she went through with, with my dad's illness and their bankruptcy, she kind of helped me, you know, keep me grounded because there were times where, you know, money was low for, you know, from Monday till Friday, the payday that I had probably, you know, 50 bucks in my bank account and, you know, this is one of those struggles that you still face when you're trying to pull yourself out of debt. Um, so I had to rely on her a lot. So I would, you know, make panic phone calls to her, like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to eat this week, even though, you know, at the end of the day, I was. Um, so I relied on her a lot. And then, you know, generosity of friends every so often, like, hey, I know you guys are going out. I'm fortunately, I can't go out this week, you know. But they were like, well, we'll take care of you. You, we, you know what you're going through. Yeah. Yeah. And just just having that openness to talk about things, I'm sure, helped. Mm-hmm. Is, is that something you, you talked about your finances with others earlier on? Or was that more of a newer thing as you were had a solution in place? It was a newer thing. Um, you know, growing up, mom and dad didn't really talk about it. Um, I guess they were just trying to keep us you know, protected, I guess. I'm not sure. Um, 
and I don't really hear other people talking about it, you know, at work or, you know, my other family members or friends. And then I'm just like, Hey guys, you know, I'm really nervous about this situation. I've been, I could really use some support right now. And luckily they were really open to, you know, talking about the, uh, having a conversation. Yeah. Like what's been your experience as things have improved and we're going to get into, uh, as you eventually pay down your your debt, but like, what's what's been your experience around talking about money? Obviously, you're here talking to me now in a in a public setting, of course. Mm-hmm. But just even amongst other people in in your life, like, is that something that uh, you know, money is a taboo thing, as you alluded to? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think people. I don't know if it's pride. I don't know if that's the right word. I wouldn't go up to someone on the street and ask them. You know, how are you doing financially? That that's, I, who knows what their response would be. Um, I just I don't have the guts for that. Um, but if you have a relationship with someone that you trust, and you know someone that you love, or someone that you know you know could be understanding to your situation, I'd be more comfortable talking to them than I would, you know, someone asking me on the street and. I realized that when I asked some of these people, you know, I, I, here's my situation. Here's what I'm going through. They're like, yeah, I've went through that too. You know, I've had a bankruptcy, you know, I, I was in a relationship, you know, they would say I was in a relationship with someone for, you know, five years and we had a house together and then he left and I was left with the house and all this debt. And, you know, I know what you're going through. So it's, it's more common than what I think is portrayed financial problems. I think as we progress in history, um, you know, with the openness of the internet, people talking about their using the internet as kind of a way to be anonymous with what they're, what they are versus what their situation is. Um, you can go to Reddit and read, um, people's stories a lot and they don't have to show their face. They don't have to talk with their voice. So they can kind of, there's kind of that wall there that they can kind of, you know, tell their story, but not connected to who they are as a person. Um, but I think as we go through time, we'll start seeing more of these stories come out in the open. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And that's, that's, that's one of the main goals of our, uh, of the podcast here is just to to normalize these these type of conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, now I know eventually, and it took it was about three years or so, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. that you were able to pay the the debt down, eventually pay it off. So a- as you were nearing that, and as fact, fast forward to the the day that you got the notification or you called to find out that it was done, like what what kind of feelings did that uh, did you have there? I was really happy that I was able to um, be disciplined enough that I can go through that I went through it, that I was able to you know pay off this debt that had hung over my head for several years, and that I was able to finally start making a savings for those oh no emergencies that you know sometimes creep up in life. Um, I was really exuberant after I'd finally gotten that letter that it was all done and paid for. Yeah, and I understand you were able to accomplish some some uh, other financial goals, for example, a car. Like what was the impact that that, that had uh, on you? Well, I've had car 
I've had a vehicle that I've had for several years. And then last year I started having issues with it. Um, somewhat like one of the cool, the coolest system went out. So we had to get that repaired again. Thanks to my mom, my dad for helping me get that done. And then a few months later, the engine went out and all these things started happening to this vehicle. And I was like hoping to, um, keep it going until the end of my debt management program that I could start putting some saved money into even looking at down payment for a new vehicle. Um, I was able to do that. I had kept it running long enough that once my debt management program was paid off and um, I could put some money aside for a down payment, I could start looking at a more reliable vehicle. Right, because that money that was going to the debt now was available for other things. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as you as you sit here today, uh, are you, are you debt free now? I know the debt management plan was finished. Is there any other debts that you're you're currently navigating? Um, while I, I was on the debt management plan, I was still paying off a private student loan that I had um, with a banking institution that was not affected by the by President Trump's. Um, debt pause, uh, payment pause, um, cause it was a private loan and I was able to pay that off almost the exact same month that my debt management plan was paid off. So that was also another significant amount of money that I didn't have to pay to someone that I could, I could apply to savings. Well, of course the, um, federal debt, federal student loan debt payments have resumed, unfortunately. And, um, I'm having to put that some money aside for that, but I was able to pay off that one student loan outside of, um, green path. Um, I now have a car payment, but you know, that's kind of expected when you have to, when you have to purchase a vehicle. Yeah. Do, do you have any uncertainty, uh, when it comes to money as you sit here today? Um, yeah, I still have that anxiety that, Oh, you know, I have to put all my money into my, virtual wallet to just to make sure that I have enough to, you know, can I splurge on that steak Saturday night, you know, that kind of thing. What, what are some of your financial goals in the coming months and year? Um, financial goals. I'm going to start looking at maybe purchasing a, a small house for myself. Cause I currently still rent. Um, I'm in a little one bedroom apartment. Um, the only thing is in the area that I'm living now, is quickly becoming kind of the Silicon Valley of the West, Midwest. Um, so a lot of um, technology companies are opening facilities in our area. We just um, last year broke ground on a major microchip manufacturing facility here in the area, thanks to um, Congress's CHIP Act that, and President Biden's CHIP Act that he signed. Um, so that facility is opening up. It's going to hire a ton of people from our community. There's going to be a huge influx of people looking for housing in the area, which is already driving up housing prices. And so I'm seeing houses that a couple of years ago were for sale for 200,000 now going for 340,000, 350,000, $400,000. And people are paying cash and 20% over asking price for these places. So hopefully in, in the next year or two, I'll have enough saved up for a down payment that I can get myself something small around here. Um, 
other than that, just trying to, you know, create a savings account for those oh no emergencies that eventually do pop up. Do you, do you have any long-term dreams if we just fast forward a little bit further into the future? Um, I'd like to start investing a little bit in the stock market. Right now, I'm not in a position to do that, but it's something that I've looked into a little bit. Maybe not investing into like Apple or anything like that, but you know, maybe a smaller company or a startup. What inspired you to share your story with others? I don't know. I guess the idea that it's taboo is nonsense to me. That there are other people out there who have similar situations to mine, and there are people out there who have situations much worse than mine. Um, and I see people who are in thirty thousand, forty thousand, eighty thousand dollars in credit card debt. And if I think if I can get through ten thousand dollars in three years, those people can certainly do it in five or six. It's the discipline part of it that you have to learn. What advice would you have for your younger self? So like, as you're talking about uh, earlier, you know, once you started in the workforce and, you know, thinking back to that version of yourself, like, what would you say to that, to that person? Um, life is not all roses. You know, things happen. Um, it happens to everyone, even if you don't see it. You know, the person, your coworker could be going through a pretty significant financial strain and they may not be telling you, you may have a, you know, they may have put up a great mask. Um, it's nothing that you can avoid. It happens. You know, the engine problems I had last year did not expect at all. Um, it was a fairly well taken care of vehicle. You know, it wasn't brand new, but it wasn't, you know, 30 years old. You know, it was only, you know nine, 10 years old, things happen. And it's really not the end of the world when it does. Yeah. Aside from calling Green Path, what advice would you have for someone who is experiencing financial stress? Um, I would say, talk to reach out to someone that you know, it may be one of those difficult conversations that you have to have. Um, cause they may have gone through something that you weren't aware of, even if it's just, you know, a family member a di or a distant family member, or even your best friend. I know I, you know, relied on some of my best friends, you know, mentally, you know, I, emotionally, I would go to them crying. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if I'm able to take care of this, you know, and they were able to, you know, relax me enough that it's okay. It's not going to be the end of the world. Yeah. And, and that, that what, what I love about that is it doesn't mean that you have to just wake up and have the solutions in place, like just having that conversation, getting out those emotions. The other person that you go to might have a, a different mindset and be in a better position to do research to find out what solutions are mm -hmm. out there. So just starting that conversation, very profound. Um, is there anything else you wanted to, to add, Jesse? I'd say trust the process. It's designed for a reason, and there's a reason Green Path has been around for as long as it has. And there's a reason there's so many success stories out there. Even if you can't get an answer right then and right there, you know, someone's going to work on it and help you out. Um, it's not a 911, I'm bleeding out emergency. You know, it's a 
it's okay. We'll get you an answer. We'll take care of it for you. Wonderful. So thank you so much for, for sharing your story with us. I know, you know, when someone gets out of debt, it, it is just a, a step in a, in a lifelong journey, right? And so mm-hmm. uh, although this is the end of our uh, story today, I know it's just uh, in many ways a new beginning for the things that I know you'll accomplish. So thanks for joining us, Jesse. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Omari and Shamika, as we reflect on uh, some of the themes presented throughout Jesse's story. Uh, And the first uh, item that we wanted to to talk through, Omari, I know you had something to say about how Jesse had lost his job pretty early on in his career and just some of your thoughts around that. Absolutely. Um, Oftentimes, we find ourselves in situations where we might be able to give ourselves some grace. And sometimes when it comes to job insecurity, that that can be uh, an opportunity to do so. Um, in his case, you know, he had lost his job fairly early in his career. And sure, retrospectively, you know, hindsight being 2020, there could have been some things he could have done better had he been anticipating something like this. But that early in his career, how often do you think, hey, I could lose my job any moment. Let me make sure I have saved every little penny that I can in order to make sure I can I can survive it. Now, that's good, maybe good thinking, you know, as you mature a little bit and have had some life experiences. But oftentimes this hits us so early that there's a lot of times not a whole lot we could have done. Um, and that can be an uncomfortable feeling, but there's grace there for us as well. Absolutely. And I, and I think like there's not necessarily a lesson in the sense of like what might he or what might someone else have done differently. I think it's just more of the mindset of just saying like sometimes just life happens and it's just bad timing when it comes to stuff like that. Um, Jesse had a decision point. He was getting overwhelmed with credit card debts. He was looking at different options as to how to best handle that. And one of the routes that he initially took was to take out a consolidation loan. And although that provided relief to the credit card debt initially, um, it, it seems, and this, this is a common thing that I would notice in my counseling days, is it, it didn't necessarily address the cash flow issues that he was having. Um, he was still kind of struggling with his income after losing his job as he was working freelance. And so what eventually happened was that he had the consolidation loan, but then the credit card debts crept right back up over time. And then eventually he was faced with two sets of debts. And, you know, that's something that I've, I've noticed, not just with consolidation loans, but oftentimes there could be options that even have pretty good interest rates. Um, historically, retirement loans, for example, come with pretty low interest rates. But the same sort of thing can happen is that if you're not addressing the root cause of it, or if you're not able to address the root cause of it, it could actually end up uh, snowballing a little bit uh, with that. So, um at the end of the day, he, he was kind of faced with some tough decisions there because ultimately he was trying to keep the rest of his bills and, and budget afloat. But um, it, it, it certainly created some additional stress later on. Um, so as he eventually took his journey and became debt free, one of the things that kind of struck us a little bit is how some of the the anxiety around money was still present in his life. And I know, Shamika, that was something that you want to speak of a little bit. 
Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that I did definitely notice when he was speaking, um, when you asked him about his how he was feeling about money in the future, is that although he's feeling in a better place financially, he still feels a lot of anxiety, specifically like when it comes to something simple like purchasing a steak over the weekend. And I thought that was really interesting and also relatable because while you might be in a good place financially. Um, just previously being in a place of struggle for so long, it sometimes may still be anxiety inducing in the future, even though you may feel better financially. And I found that to be really relatable. Yes, yes. It's, you know, there's one's financial circumstances, but then there's the psychology behind it, which doesn't necessarily change overnight. Um, and so it was something that he's still aware of and and still kind of sorting through. Um, Omari, I know you had something you wanted to add. Um, he talked about in in having conversations around money with his parents and how they had some similar experiences that that he did. And I know this this kind of reminded you of a conversation that we've had uh, sort of off camera, off off audio uh, over the years. And I was wondering what you might uh, add to that. For sure. Um, it reminds me of the conversation around generational wealth and, and the opposite of that. And and I also I wanted to state, first of all, that this is not necessarily a direct reflection of his experience because we don't want to assume anything about his childhood or anything like that. But the idea that financial habits can be passed down from generation to generation, both for the for the positive and for the negative, is something that resonates here. Um, when you think about um, so, you know, a lot of the work that I do, it revolves around black and brown and otherwise disenfranchised communities. And one of the big things that we're looking to try to raise awareness around and create pathways um, to to arrive from is is uh, generational wealth and the idea of being able to identify some of these um, spaces where some of the disadvantages that a, a person's parents experience with their financial journey for whatever the reason can sometimes inform the pathway of the child, uh, both for better or for worse. And so having an opportunity to uh, shed light on what some of those pathways are can really be helpful, I think, as we as we try to um, increase the pathway to generational wealth for more people. Yeah, and is is this the kind of thing that parents can be like have awareness of and how they're talking to their kids about money or like where where's the place to like at least from a conversational level kind of break that because i know a lot of it is sort of on a systemic level which is a lot of what you're looking at in, in some of your work yeah for sure i mean i think i think that part's tricky and we we are running into this this sort of disconnect in some of the other work that we're doing where conversations from parent to child are 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 usually helpful but one of the things that a parent might need to keep in mind is that some of the strategies that they might have used when they were younger may not be completely relevant to the new experiences that millennials and gen z and the generations to come after are now experiencing because of how different our uh, economy is and how different some of the some of the um, sort of uh, ways that you can ascertain information things are changing uh, information is in flux so opening up and having a normalizing conversation about finance is probably more important than passing on specific tidbits and specific strategies if that makes sense 
Oh, it sure does. Because all I'm having this vision of is all the time that my dad would spend with me explaining how to do taxes by hand (laughs) right up until five years ago. And I'm like, no, no, we're not going to do that. So, um, well, thank you both, uh, as always, for your insights and reflections on Jesse's story. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's it for today's episode. Special thanks to Hero, whose music will play us out. I hope each of you enjoy your journey of financial wellness as much as your destination. Welcome back, Hero.